Welcome to the podcast. Today, we talk about the wonderful growth for the Democratic Socialists of America. <laughs> Bet you're excited about their progress as much as we are. Representative Chris Stewart uh, talks to us about the latest developments with Michael Flynn. Bill O'Reilly, his weekly hit, uh, spends hour two with us talking about everything from the system of justice and all the holes being poked in it, as well as uh, the 2020 election and more. And we talked to a barber who had his license suspended because he decided to open up the business that he owned. And Jerry Falwell Jr. will be on as well, uh, talking about the backlash against Liberty University since they decided to stay open during parts of COVID-19. I want to tell you that the uh, last day for the $30 off uh, discount is today. Go to blazetv.com slash Glenn. Use the promo code Glenn. You get 30 bucks off of your subscription. Uh, you can also, of course, get a lot of our stuff on YouTube as well uh, for my show. You just go to YouTube, search for Stu, and I'll be the first one there. Watch all the shows for free. And, of course, you can subscribe on this po- podcast platform to not only this uh, podcast, if it's the only time you've been listening to it, but also to Stu Does America. You get the shows every single day for free. Rate and review. Uh, by the way, the appropriate amount of stars, five stars. Here's the podcast. Governor Jay Inslee from the uh, great state of Washington has now laid plans out for statewide contact tracing initiative. Sounds like fun. The, uh-huh. the initiative is robust. I'm quoting. It's vigorous uh, and it's comprehensive. Wow. It sounds like common core. <laughs> um, and he said it needs to be all three to be successful. If we don't succeed in this second stage of our efforts, this virus might come back and bite us. I got news for you. It's going to come back. It's going to come back next fall, and it's going to come back the fall after, and it's going to come back the fall after that. It's always going to be with us, okay? It's like the flu. It's good. No, I don't mean the symptoms. (laughs) It's like the flu. It's a virus. It's a virus. Okay, Uh, contract tracing involves interviewing people with positive COVID-19 tests to identify who they've been in contact with, getting those people tested and making sure they isolate themselves and their families. Okay, so wait, so now you have to keep a list of everybody that you've come (laughs) in contact with, and then you have to give that list. Let me see who you've been talking to. hmm? It will be interesting because, uh, I mean, obviously, to... some of that, right, is very basic disease prevention, right? When if there's a measles outbreak, yes. they do mm-hmm. they would do that. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, you know, that's just mm-hmm. interviewing. They've been doing that forever. The question is, mm-hmm. when it comes to a, a Jay Inslee approach to that, is it going mm-hmm. very, very, mm-hmm. Uh, very, very far down that road? Well, he needs 100% compliance. Uh, just 100%? He needs 100% compliance. Just 100%. Oh, he needs okay. 100%. Uh, and uh, they're going to send people to your home. And uh, they're going to de- be conducting these interviews. And if you refuse to take another test or self-isolate or give them the names of people you have been with lately, uh, then um, I want to quote him exactly. We will have attached to the families a family support person who will check in with them to see what they need on a daily basis and help them. 
if they can't get a friend to do their grocery shopping, we'll help them with their groceries in some fashion. Um, as far as refusal, it shouldn't come to that. Uh, and it really hasn't so far. We've had good success. Uh, but individuals that refuse to cooperate with uh, contact tracers or refuse testing will not be allowed to leave their homes to purchase basic necessities as groceries or prescriptions. So, <laughs> so they're going to starve um, the people to death if they don't agree with this? Uh, is that, is well, that no, the no, no. He said they're going to have somebody to go grocery shopping for you. Just, you'll just be in prison in your home. You will not be allowed to ever leave your home unless you participate and only 100 percent need to do that oh okay. so yavel because i i thought what you he know, was saying he, was if you participate he, in the program yeah. they will bring you the groceries because you're i <laughs> so you're if you do, if you're saying if they don't participate oh. in the program they're still going to shop for them yeah wait a minute wait a minute wait a minute the family support who will check and see what they need on a bit oh yeah yep 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 you're right you're right <laughs> it's just a we're just gonna yep, starve right. them out eventually they're gonna be like oh cool, yeah. take my names i'm really hungry i need cheetos and eventually yeah. it works you know, it, it, you know what it it worked in uh, those really nice uh, i don't know if you saw these the subdivisions that the germans made in poland for the jews they they were beautiful little subdivisions had hmm. gate it was a gated community that they built uh and i think this is wonderful now i was thinking that it might be a little uh hitlerian uh to do this but then i thought I'm not sure because it sounded familiar. And so I, I looked this up um, and that no man might buy or sell save that he had the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. That's from a little book. I don't remember. It's a kind of a dusty book, but there was something about not being able to buy, sell, uh, get groceries, anything unless you received the mark. Uh, and, um, like I would think just most people, right, are mm -hmm. very yeah. interested if they find out they've had COVID, right, to tell mm -hmm. the people they've been in contact with that they have COVID so they can get tested. That's something that most people are mm -hmm. going to want to do. Uh, that mm -hmm. doesn't mean that they well, want to play people, with Jay Inslee. Right, right. But some people may not. I mean, you know, we had this with the AIDS virus. There were people that went out intentionally and those people went to jail. Mm -hmm. They went out intentionally to infect people. Okay, that that's different. But uh, now I have to have a list of everybody I've come in contact with, and you know what they say? The the, the supporters of this said it's really not going to be a problem because we'll just monitor the cell phones of everybody that comes into contact with them anyway. Oh, oh my gosh! Okay, even more scary. Now, the county of Los Angeles has partnered with hotel associations to identify sites that will meet the operational needs of the program that they're unveiling. And that is housing the homeless to make sure that they don't have uh, coronavirus uh, and uh, and, you know, commandeer. They, they, they need to have rooms that they can lock down people. And so they're they're now saying that if the hotels don't participate, they will just commandeer the hotels. They will just take those hotels over. The city of Los Angeles is saying this. Uh, could I, may I just point out we're on a crazy train to hell here? <laughs> I mean, you know, I am, I am actually, I believe Dr. Fauci. I don't, I believe that he believes he's right. And I believe he is instructing us just on health. There needs to be the balance of psychological help, uh, our rights and our economy. Okay. 
So when we balance him, I'm fine. Uh, but the media seems to only be taking his side of it and then trying to pit him against Donald Trump to break up this relationship like they do all the time. And, you know, we would just like to ask the, the liberals and the media, you split those two apart. If you actually believe that Donald Trump is trying to kill everybody in this in the country <laughs> and Dr. Fauci is the hero, what the hell are you doing getting him out of the White House? What are you doing? Yeah, wouldn't your goal you be to write the, the stories about how they have a yes. really good working relationship and how, yep. how you know, Donald yep. Trump, like you, you understand how this stuff works. You come out here and make a media div- a divide. It's like if you if your friend is dating a girl that you don't like and you're just constantly leaking, you know, trying to break them up no, because it's irritating no, no, to you. No, no, no. no. May, I give you, may I give you a real world uh, sure. example on just exactly what you're saying? The guy who I grew up with, Robert, mm-hmm. um, he's like my brother. OK, he lived in my house for a long time and, and we grew up together and I was dating a girl in high school. And he, as my best friend, and he would say all the time, I mean, why are you dating her? I mean, I don't get it. <laughs> That's nice. I mean, really? <laughs> yeah, I don't get it. Uh, I mean, just, I mean, really? And so just planted a seed of doubt. And I'm like, oh, maybe he's right. He, as soon as I broke up, he started dating her. He's now married to her. He's married to her. <laughs> okay. I didn't know that story. I mean, yes. <laughs> Colleen. It, I dated Colleen. Oh, and, yeah, he, and Robert was right. I mean, the one time we did kiss, it was like I kissed her goodnight at the doorstep. And, it was, and we both looked at each other and went. That was weird. It was like it was like <laughs> kissing your sister or something. Uh, so he was right about it. But he's the guy who was planting the seed of doubt. Uh, and the funny that's that, what the media is doing. Yeah. And they will wind up dating Fauci if they break them yeah. up. Right. Like that's what they oh, want yeah, to he'll, do. He'll be a CNN. Yeah. He'll be a CNN uh, roundtable commentator. And I will say this about Fauci because he takes a lot of heat from the right. And as you point out, even in his testimony, he says, I'm not advising on economic yeah. matters at all that's like he's just saying what he thinks if the perfect world for a medical like i don't understand how people don't that's get that relationship job that's his Th- job. that's his job okay, real quick because i've got so much we have we have uh, chris stewart coming up in a second i've got to st- just shoehorn some of the pardon the pun on this one mm-hmm. south african stores will now only sell shoes if they are closed toe and short sleeve shirts if they are promoted or displayed to be worn under jackets or jerseys. So in other words, if you have a really cool t-shirt and it has a design and it's, it's uh, displayed or promoted as somebody just wearing a t-shirt, you can't sell it. So if undergarments are made for warmth, you can sell them. Crop bottoms worn with boots or leggings are okay. But crop bottoms without boots or leggings, you cannot sell. This is craziness. It is absolutely craziness. And it's not a coincidence that something else is happening at exactly the same time here in America. You're listening to the best of the Glenn Beck program.
I wanted to bring uh, Congressman Chris Stewart on. Uh, Chris is a friend of mine and a friend of the uh, program. He uh, is serving now uh, on the Permanent Select Committee on Intelligence, also on the Budget Committee and the Appropriations Committee. So there's a lot to talk to him about. But I wanted to start with Michael Flynn. Uh, Welcome, Chris. How are you? Good morning, Glenn. I was up near your ranch the other day, and it's beautiful up there. You should come on up. Uh, I am dying to go up there. Um, so people know who you are. Um, number one, New York Times bestselling author of, of fiction. I mean, really great stuff. Um, world record setting Air Force pilot. You were an owner uh, and CEO of a, of a small business. Now you went to Congress. You have a lot of credibility on uh, intelligence, but you're also on this intelligence uh, committee. So I kind of wonder if you can even tell us stuff because you get in serious trouble unless it's all out in the open, right? Yeah. And the other thing, Glenn, is we actually Republicans abide by the rules. And that's why this thing with Michael Flynn, the unmasking, and the list goes on and on. This is stuff that we've known for three years. But we couldn't talk talk to people about because unlike some yeah. of my Democratic colleagues, we don't go down in the skiff and then go out and leak it to the press so that they can be dishonest and lie about people and create this false narrative. And what we've Chris, seen with General Flynn is absurd that this thing went forward uh, the way it did to these accusations against him. I can't tell you how many I, times I talked to you and said, Chris, what's really going on? Um, you were in all of these things where you heard Brennan and Clapper and Power and everyone else, Rice, saying we have zero evidence. There's no evidence on any of this. How that must have killed you not to say while they were on television saying, oh, yeah, I mean, they're getting close to something. Yeah. <sighs> I, I, Glenn, imagine I mean, we are we're downstairs we're in a classified setting where they have to tell the truth and they answer these questions nope no evidence no evidence no evidence and then they go upstairs and i'm talking about the clappers and the and the comies and the others in the world who then go on television and say oh yeah the walls are closing in oh yeah i actually think he might be a russian puppet and for us to not be able to respond to that other than just to say it's not true and people would look okay, at so it here's, like, have you lost your mind? Because the evidence says right. that it is true. And for three years, we've lived with that. So, Chris, this is the time to respond. Are these people going to be prosecuted? I think Attorney General Barr is the most important man in America right now next to the president. And, and I really mean that because he is the person with uh, with his uh, assistance of Mr. Durham, who are they're like a starving dog on a bone on this. And they are committed and always have been to a telling people the truth and to be work through whatever legal process is appropriate. The problem that we have. And this is uh, uh, I mean, so the good news is I think there will be there certainly should be. And, and I think the American people are going to demand it the more and they understand this. The problem is, and this is the, the concern I have, is, is talking with the attorney general a few weeks ago. He said these are smart people and they had time to cover their tracks. So he's got a challenge ahead of him. He's not working, uh, uh, doing a job against a bunch of fools. Uh, but, but, Glenn, you can't look at this information and it begs the question about will they be held accountable? And uh, they have to be Chris. Yeah. 
I was I was talking to somebody yesterday who's a really logical he and his wife really logical. Um, they're big Trump supporters. And um, and in the course of a conversation, uh, he said, you know, we're even starting to doubt Trump. And I said, what? And he said, yeah, I know it's crazy. But I thought, you know, for a couple of days last week, I was like, maybe he's being blackmailed. Is he being blackmailed? I said, what what would make you say that? And he said immediately, you know what it is, Glenn? I don't trust anyone because everyone lies about everything and no one's held accountable. And so what am I supposed to do when I see something that doesn't fit? I immediately now jump to the crazy thoughts because crazy stuff is happening and no one is paying a price. You and I both know, Chris, a marriage will not survive if there is not trust. There's no trust in America. If we don't restore trust, we do not make it. No, I couldn't agree with you more, Glenn. I came back from Moscow. Uh, this was a couple of years ago, and I was doing some talks to people about that. And I did an interview, and someone asked me, and we get asked this question all the time, because, you know, sitting on the Intel Committee, it's what we do. They said, what's the greatest threat facing our nation? Again, I was asked that question, and without thinking, I said, it's that no one knows what is true anymore. And I surprised myself yep. the answer, but I was thinking about it after, and I thought that's absolutely true. That is the foundation upon which everything that we have is based, and yes. we've lost that. And, and, and let me ask you this as a, as a kind of an appendage to that. If two FBI agents came in and just said to you, hey, we just want to chat with you about something, there's no one in the country who would do that any longer. I mean, well, this no. institution, which is so important to us, under the leadership of Comey, has lost that trust that you were talking about, that foundation of what is true anymore. And it's going to take a long time for us to rebuild that to where people can say, I think I'm, this is true and this is good and this isn't. We've lost that. Chris, somebody, if, if this stuff isn't exposed entirely and they're not cleared out, somebody needs to go to jail a good guy needs to go to jail to say, this is what's going on. And I know I'm violating all kinds of codes, but no one's doing anything. And the American people have to know you want to arrest me for exposing this, then arrest me uh, because we, we don't survive if this is not cleared up. Talk to me a little bit about uh, how uh, about unmasking. They say this is no big deal. It happens all the time. Tell me how this is different. Well, then let's ask this question. How many times did the vice president of the United States ask for a U.S. person's name to be unmasked in the eight years he was in office? And, and who was it? Because that will give this context. You know, if it turns out that Vice President Biden is asking for people to be unmasked on a daily basis, then, yeah, you're right. It's not a big deal. But if it turns out he wasn't, then, then it begs further questions. How many times did Susan Rice ask for unmasking in the two months between the election and the inauguration and compare that with her activity in unmasking in the previous number of years? That's what gives this context. And if they can argue, hey, we were unmasking U.S. citizens all the time, then there's no there there. But if it turns out that they weren't, and by the way, they weren't, then this does give us a greater understanding into what motivated them to unmask on us, particularly not just General Flynn, but particularly on General Flynn, because it was so it is politically uh, motivated. It, it also... Um 
it has to be uh, answered. You know, Samantha Power, she's the secretary of the U.N. What, what the why is she unmasking Flynn seven times in a month? Why is she doing that? And then saying, I didn't I didn't do that. It might have been somebody else. Uh, isn't that a breach of your security clearance in the first place? But why is she unmasking? And did that information go to someone else uh, and then use that as I was talking to a very high, uh, high level source who said this, this and this. That, yeah. That's how the media was was getting all of this was from these unmaskings. Yeah, that's exactly right. And that's the key to this. Look, if you can justify your unmasking, then as, as a normal course of your work, then I, I accept that. Or if perhaps yes. there's, just a, you're, there's just a question there. I mean, that's fair. But there's got to be two things to that. Number one is, was there a justification? Because in this unmasking process, you're supposed to put the, the reason for why. It can't just be random. You have to have an actual reason why. And did, this is a question, on their request, did they justify it? And then the second thing, which and is... And why did this... Yep. Well, uh, I'm Go ahead. Say the second thing is, who did you talk to about that? Because we know right. that this was leaked. And Glenn, this is important. It's not just General Flynn that's important about this. This revealed the fact that we were listening to the Russian ambassador. And a lot of people didn't realize that before. And now everyone in the world knew. It actually hi- uh, hindered our ability to gather intelligence. This was an important national security element to this leaking. And that's the key to this is who unmasked, but more importantly, who talked to the press about it? Um, Any doubt that Obama is involved in this? Well, I mean, how do you explain the January 5th meeting? Yeah, that's exactly right. If you'd asked me that uh, some time ago, uh, I would have said, I don't know. Uh, although he is involved in this, and this is, this is vague, but it's very, very important. He's the one who selected these leaders. And by proxy, he's responsible for... Yeah, well, wait, 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 He, You know, the Susan Rice memo that she wrote walking out of the office said, the president wanted to make sure that we did it by the book, that we didn't involve ourselves in the normal course of justice, that we didn't tell the police or investigators what to do. On January 5th, it's documented. That's what he held a meeting for and with Comey and, and everybody else and told them, get him. Yeah, they were ready to well, drop the case. Yeah, that and that's that's what I was, the point I was just going to make is a couple couple months ago I didn't know how to ask that question, but now we have to ask this question about what did the president know at that time? Because during that meeting he was aware of things, already aware of things that no one claims responsibility for having briefed him for. No, we don't know how he knew about the the Michael Flynn uh, uh, investigation that's going forward because so far everyone has denied ever talking to him about that. Correct. So I think there's Correct. some questions about that that need to be asked. Okay, um, uh, let me just play. Do we have from yesterday the uh, Senator Church meet the press uh, audio? Okay, I, I want to play something for you, Chris. This is Senator Church. Uh, from the Church Commission, 1975. Remember that date, 1975. Think of the technology and how it's changed since. This is what he said when we found a little bit of this in 1975. There would be no place to hide if this government ever became a tyranny, if a dictator ever took charge in this country. The technological capacity that the intelligence community has given the government could enable it 
to impose total tyranny. And there would be no way to fight back because the most careful effort to combine together in resistance to the government, no matter how privately mm. it was done, Listen is within the reach of the government to know. Such is the capability of this technology. Now, why is this investigation important? I'll tell you why. Because I don't want to see this country ever go across the bridge. I know the capacity that is there to make tyranny total in America. And we must see to it that this agency and all agencies that possess this technology operate within the law and under proper supervision so that we never cross over that abyss. There, that's the abyss from which there is no return. Are we, we've crossed the abyss. Are there enough people in Congress and in the Senate that will demand uh, that these people are held accountable and it does stop now? Well, Glenn, I hope so. I'm going to answer it that way. But I can tell you that there are a number of us. Remember, again, the work we did on the Intel Committee for three years has been focused on this. Uh, how many times have I said to people, you can't give the Department of Justice, the FBI, these other agencies, the power to know everything about you, to read your emails, to look at your computer, to talk to your friends, to go through your garbage, give them that power and then say, hey, go do whatever you want. We don't, we don't want to know. We trust you. It can never be that case. That can never be the case that we don't hold them accountable. And that's what we've been trying to do now for years in this case. And by the way, Glenn, it stuns me how many people seem to be comfortable with, uh, with a police state. How many people are actually defending this and saying, hey, it's no big deal. You guys are paranoid. It's another conspiracy theory. You know, you're investigating the investigators, breaking down the rule of law. For heaven's yeah. sakes, that's nonsense. Right. This is the best of the Glenn Beck program. And don't forget, rate us on iTunes. So Liberty University uh, did the unconventional thing while everybody else uh, panicked and just sent everybody home. Liberty University decided that they were going to just be smart and uh, do online classes because they're a leader in online classes. They've been doing it since 1985. Um, and they're really, the, their online stuff is really, really good. Um, but uh, they decided just to, to send whoever they could home. But there were foreign students and other people that had elderly you know, parents or grandparents that lived with them and they couldn't go home. So they kept them in the dorms and they did all kinds of things just to keep everybody safe well as you could imagine oh these christian nuts are crazy and they're going to get us all killed well as it turns out uh no the opposite happened they are now the model for what schools should be doing uh to be able to open back up that hasn't stopped the new york times and others from really lying about uh what was happening at liberty university but no stranger to controversy, Jerry Falwell uh, is now going to sue the New York Times uh, for some of the things they did. Welcome to the program, Jerry Falwell. How are you? I'm doing wonderful. Is this Dr. Glenn Beck? It is. It is. It is. <laughs> I, I, that is one of the greatest things anybody's ever done for me. I, I just love it. it. It's provided lots of uh, uh, very good memories, uh, Jerry. Yeah. Thank um, you. 
It's good. Good to talk to you, my friend. Um, so, first of all, congratulations on not backing down, doing the right thing for the students and I think for the country. Um, tell us the steps that you did take, because you just didn't say, we don't care. We're opening up the doors. You took it seriously. What did you do? Well, you know, there were some schools, some Ivy League schools that didn't even do online. They were too good for that. So they just sent everybody home. So, you know, your, your credit this semester is your problem. Forget it. There were a lot of other schools who did exactly what we did, Texas A&M, USC, Virginia Tech. And, and all that was, it was simply, we did not reopen. We, during spring break, the governor decided, issued an executive order, said no more than 100 people in a, in a gathering. Well, we have lots of classes with over 100 students. And then he went down to 10 during spring break. Well, obviously, we, we couldn't. We couldn't start classes again, so we went to the all online format, which um, we've got one of the best in the world. And then we um, we realized quickly that there's students who can't do online at home because they don't have high speed internet, and there's students who have elderly relatives at home, and there are students, international students, who can't go home. So we knew we were going to have to house a certain number of students, and so just like USC and Texas A&M and Virginia Tech. We housed those students, and we um, implemented measures. We com- we had two surprise inspections by the governor Black- Blackface, who came down and. gave gave us glowing reports on how well we were complying with every order. We had this social distancing. We had signs on chairs saying, don't sit here, but okay to sit here. And we had all the academic buildings open. Campus built for 16,000 had 1,200 people on it. And so you could, it was like a ghost town. We had um, all takeout food at all the restaurants. We had we had uh, cleaning. I mean, the jan- we had double the force of janitors cleaning every hour. And we had, you know, just, just every imaginable step that, that could possibly be taken to uh, protect our students. We put up no trespassing signs at every entrance to keep the cases that might be in the community from leaking into campus. If you didn't have official business on campus, you were forbidden to come on campus. Well, guess who violated the trespassing (laughs) law? I was just going to say, that stopped everybody except the New York Times. Except the New York Times. That's right. So we swore out Unbelievable. warrants for their arrest, and we've been working with local um, Commonwealth attorney here, and and we're um, it's working out fine. I mean, we're, it's it's um, they're they're admitting their their wrongdoing, but we we just um, you know we have no choice but to sue because when the New York Times reported there that there were twelve COVID, what they basically said in the Financial Times is there were twelve COVID cases on campus. Well, that was completely false. They had talked to a doctor who didn't even work for Liberty, who owned a practice in town, and he had described to the reporter, just because he's a nice guy, that, yeah, we've had some upper respiratory, you know, colds and and allergies and different things, and, you know, about 11 or 12 of them. Well, he actually gave us the text that he sent to the reporter that said, I have no official role at Liberty University. I'm just telling you what I've seen in my practice. But that's not what they printed. They printed 12 COVID cases at Liberty. We had none. The students left May 6th. 
and we had absolutely zero cases of any student, faculty, or staff on campus. We had, we had a, a couple of off-campus cases like bus drivers whose family members had it, but as soon as they learned it, or it was just one, I shouldn't say family members, but as soon as they learned they, they had it, they, they quit working, they went and got tested. Everybody who had been around them was quarantined, tested negative. So we did everything imaginable to protect our students and our, our campus community. But yet, Texas, Texas, Arizona State had 15 positive cases. They did the same thing we did. No, no bad press. Texas A&M, no bad press for doing what we did. Um, yeah. So why, know. why, why you, Jerry? I mean, I, I know the answer, but why, why you guys? Well, the same reason I believe this is my theory. They spent three years on Russia, then the impeachment. And then um, lately hyping this thing. Um, Of course, this is a serious thing, but I think the media has hyped it. And most doctors will agree with that way beyond where it should have been hyped. I think it's because they know what's coming from John Durham. And I think they've known since election night, 2016, when Hillary Clinton came out and it was the next day. And she said, this is going to be painful for a long time. She knew, and I think she meant that, I think she said that because she knew what they had done, what the Obama Justice Department had done. And then all the shenanigans they pulled between the election and the inauguration. And, you know, John Durham, my dad used to say, you you never know how long a snake is till you kill it. And so he's in the process of killing the snake. And Mm -hmm. it's no telling how long that snake's going to be. My opinion. I, uh, I I think this is uh, bigger than Watergate ever was. This this and it involves it involves the New York Times and everybody else that that aided all of these people. They're they're not coming out. You know they're guilty because now that we have the documents that prove that the people that were on their air were lying because they went to under oath and they said we've got nothing. Then they'd go right. on the air and say, yeah, we're really close. I can't talk about it, but the next shoe's going to drop. Yeah. That They haven't ratted those people out and said, I demand an apology. We, yeah. w- you know, we, we've trusted you as a source. It shows that they, they don't care or they were part of it. Uh, and, right. and I think this, I think this thing's going to rain down like, like fire on their heads. And I think they've seen that coming for a long time. So they've been desperately trying to do a preemptive strike and against not just Trump, but anybody who supported Trump. And that happened to include me. So I, um, I'm, I'm fine with it though. It doesn't, I don't lose a bit of sleep. I just, uh, I, I think it's the worst thing that could happen is they stop talking about you. My dad used to say, there's no such thing as bad publicity. And there's a lot of truth yeah. in that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Jerry, thank you so much. I appreciate it. Um, I'm glad we could uh, uh, clear this up for the people that, uh, you know, maybe the two people that read the New York Times uh, on what was happening at Liberty University. But thanks for your leadership. Appreciate it. Well, it would be great to have you back at Liberty sometime soon. You wouldn't recognize the place.